Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Mastering Risk Management Podcast. I'm Anthony Wilson. Thank you for tuning in yet again, and I'm very excited about today's guests, and you'll soon find out why. This is a real game changer for people in our profession of risk management, where we have to talk to people, convince people, and get action happening. And our guest today is going to help us make that happen with some ease. So uh, I'm talking to Davina Stanley. Now, Davina is the Managing Director of Clarity Thought Partners. Now, Davina draws on more than 25 years experience when helping leaders and teams to clarify their thinking so they can communicate complex ideas. Her work helps experts deliver the right message to the right people in the right way, regardless of the context or content. So with that introduction, hello, Davina. Hello, Anthony. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Absolute pleasure. It's always lovely to talk to you. Yeah, it's been something, and we should, for full disclosure, say that uh, I, I'm a student of Davinus. I've uh, been through the uh, training and have been beaten into shape, which is good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it was an excellent program, and uh, you know, I'd highly recommend this. And let, but let's talk about uh, Davinus firstly for a moment. So, just a bit of a career journey, apart from, you know, when you were sitting in school, what you were going, wondering what you were going to do with yourself, to to where you are today. What was the journey like? When I was sitting in school, I had no idea what I would do. I was a kid on a potato farm in the country with really no idea what career or anything like that was, but certainly influenced, I think, by the family history because I was a fourth generation school teacher in the, in the beginning. On my mother's side, everybody was school teachers going a very long way back. So I started there because I didn't know anything different. And I, um, I left teaching. I was um, teaching four-year-old boys. And as much as I adored them, I decided perhaps that wasn't for me. So then was left looking around for something to do at a time when there wasn't much work around. I don't know if you remember back in the very late 80s, there, there was a very tight time. The yeah. economics here in Australia were really tough. Yes. And so I took a job as a secretary because oh. I just needed to pay my rent. I didn't want to go back to the farm yeah. and landed in the corporate affairs area and Long story short, I ended up doing a whole lot of writing and enjoyed it. And I'd been taught to write at Teachers College by a, um, a children's author that you may well be familiar with, Mem Fox. She wrote yeah. some really beautiful children's books. If anyone is in Australia and has children, they may be familiar. But if not, you know, I really encourage you to grab them. There's one called Possum Magic and some others which are just beautifully illustrated, stunning books. And she taught me to write. And that's actually what got me a job in teaching in the first place, but then became very useful later on. And so jumping a few steps, I went back to university at nights and then um, moved, got married young and moved to Hong Kong and was very fortunate to land a job at McKinsey as a communication specialist. Before I'd even finished my degree, I was studying right. remotely by that stage. And so um, that is the thing that really set me on a path that's been great fun and really interesting. And, you know, I just love being able to help people do better in their work. It gives me a great deal of satisfaction. So and that's a very potted history, I suppose, yep. of the accidental communication <laughs> career. You know, now I've got a mix of corporate programs and public programs as part of my Clarity First program. So, you know, I really, really love it, really enjoy what I'm doing and helping people like you, such malleable, you know, people who really grab, you know, the ideas that we have and yep. and turn them into, you know, to their advantage. 
Yeah, excellent. Well, thank you. That's a that's a great history. Is it fair to assume that all those wonderful McKinsey packs that clearly outline the strategy was that you in the background making that clarity? <laughs> I wouldn't claim to all of them by any means, <laughs> but I certainly help McKinsey people. You know, I've helped a lot of McKinsey people fix their packs, and I've taught a lot of McKinsey people. And actually, since you know leaving the firm at other other top firms as well. So yeah. the the discipline that we use, which is based on something by a woman that some people might have heard of called Barbara Minto. It's called the Minto Pyramid Principle. And Barbara actually approved me to teach this method after I left the firm back in 2009. So, you know, it's a wonderful discipline. You know, it's, you know, making the complex look simple. Yeah. So so talk to us about, you've left McKinsey, you've gone out uh, onto your own. So how did Clarity come about? Tell us a little bit about Clarity Thought Partners. Okay. So Clarity Thought Partners came about in, in some ways, a little accidentally too, you know. Um, I started working with Jared doing a big project in the law yep. and he had won something big again at a time of financial crisis. This was around the GFC and I was working in a firm where I was accredited to uh, by Barbara Minto. So then I joined him on this big project because there wasn't the work. Right. And so we started working together and we taught something like between us 1,500 lawyers and we taught some people to teach it as well. It wasn't all us over a few years and then just continued working together for quite a time. And, yeah, it's been terrific. You know, we've had lots of large Australian companies, some very small Australian companies that want to be really smart and then, you know, branching out globally as well, to work with people in the US and the UK, Europe, Russia, Africa, all sorts of places. Just because of this online world, I started pushing my practice to the online space in about 2017. Wow. So that's great timing. Mm. Yeah. Well, thank you again, McKinsey, because I was teaching online in about 2006 for them out of the firm learning in the US. And it just seemed sensible to me. I think to offer learning in bite-sized pieces over time rather than doing, you know, whole-day workshops, which are fun and entertaining and energising and and so on. But if you do just a big workshop, there's so much information to take in and just so much to absorb that it's um, hard to put into practice afterwards. So, you know, over time I think I had developed a way of what we call the flipped classroom way of learning, where people watch some videos and then come into learning together. And when back before COVID, when we're doing face-to-face, we'd do perhaps three shorter sessions. And I think we did several sessions with you. We did it something like that when I worked with you and your team. When we started, you know, I started to do the online stuff and and then it was, okay, well, maybe you've got a distributed team and you don't want to travel for those three or four workshops so let's just meet online and let's chunk it down to even smaller bites because I think online's a bit more intense you need to be having shorter sessions if you want them to be impactful so yeah. it's been a bit of an organic journey just watching what works and learning about what works and what helps people the most how do we fit this into their day-to-day work without disrupting their their working with them too much I mean, you know what it's like as a leader of teams and you get, you know, somebody gives you their draft paper that you want to review and provide your thoughts on to help them. 
and um, you look at it, you take half a, a second of a look at it and you think, oh gosh, this is going to take some work. And it can take a very long time to get to it because you you know you need a big chunk of time to review it. Yes. And so you think, oh golly, you sort of groan a bit on the inside, thinking this is going to be really, really hard. Then you end up in a place where you and the, the author are scrambling at the end to get something out the door. So by working bit by bit, we can really embed a really powerful process for the individual and the team that reduces that. We're never going to completely get away from that, but certainly reduce it so you can front end the thinking and agree the messaging really early in a really strategic and and fairly fast sort of way, fast for you individually, but fast also for the organisation, I think we need to be thinking about not just our own time but how do we actually add maximum value by creating a good message but by also limiting the drag on everybody else yeah and you know if you put a paper up that doesn't land you've got a very expensive meeting that's sitting there you know stretching themselves to understand before the meeting during the meeting this thing that they just can't get to grips with and then they send you away and say, come back next time, and you go do it all again. Yeah, that's probably one of the big learnings that I think people, or the mindset change maybe, is that the investment that you have to make up front in just thinking through what is the message, who's the audience, how am I going to structure it, you know, is is paid off many times over in the fact that it hits the mark and it resonates and hopefully it gets the action that you want. And, I, and I'm sure the listeners have all faced this challenge. I mean, if they're in risk roles, trying to convince people to take certain action or, you know, follow up on things or here's the reason why we need to do this. Getting that that clarity is really essential. And it's, I mean, you hear all these sort of things, you know, I'm sorry I wrote you such a long email. I didn't have time to write a short one. Oh, absolutely. It, no, it is. And that's quoted everywhere for very good reason. It's such a beautiful statement. And then, and when we think about that in a practical setting, though, in, in work, it's like, oh my gosh, I've got so many things to deliver on. How do I decide where to invest and how to, how much time to invest in this? And, you know, how do we do that? And I think people often think about, well, the importance of the message or the audience. They often fail to think about well, how many people is this going to? Even if this is just, let's say, and, oh, we need to tell everyone very quickly to update their Google browser because if we don't, we're going to have, you know, a security risk because there's a really critical patch that's just been put in place and we're vulnerable because of this particular problem. You know, that sort of thing to a tech person might think, oh, that's really easy, just update your browser, quick, everyone go, 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 do it. And yet, the cost of people not doing it is potentially huge. To talk about risk management, it's huge. And the likelihood of people doing it if they can't follow the steps or understand the email is very high. And I've seen that specific example play out where the costs become the risk that the patch isn't put in place by the new update, of course. But look at the number of people who don't even open the email because the subject line is poor let alone read the email, let alone enact the patch. So you get that place and then you say, okay, how do you fix that? You end up with phone calls, more emails, help desk queries, all of these things because that email just, you know, somebody didn't spend an hour to do it properly. So 
that's sort of like the invisible cost. Anyway, I think it's one of the challenges of it, the people feeling the pain are often not the ones doing the work. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, and the other thing I think you mentioned in one of our workshops was, you know, anyone can make the simple complex. That really resonated because in the passion or the, you know, the enthusiasm or whatever it is that you're trying to communicate, boss, I really need this, I need it because of this, I need, and it's, you know, all of that sort of stuff becomes a really long communication which is, you know, blurting out your heart as to why you need something to happen. And the boss mm-hmm. on the other end is seeing this great diatribe of words and can't really come yes. to what the message is. So that was one of the things that I took out of the program and, and had a communication with my boss shortly after the program that was about three lines uh, summarising exactly what I needed that I've been trying to get for about six months and he approved it in about 30 seconds. Uh, yes, like, yes, exactly. <laughs> But, you know, you just feel like you're 10 feet tall when that happens, doesn't it? You know, it's like, oh, good, okay, got it. And I think that sort of speaks to what I think of as the three levels that we need to be working with, with communication. The first one's clarity, you know, you've got to be able to see the message. When you yeah. look at a piece of communication what, or you're listening to someone in a meeting, you know, any any situation, it doesn't matter if it's an email, a PowerPoint, a prose paper, a conversation doesn't matter. It's got to be clear so you can actually get at what the person's saying. And and that's no small thing. Then the next level up is to have something insightful and something really, you know, high quality. So clarity and then quality, quality of message, quality of insight even, you know. And then so there's sort of the level one and two, but level three I think is velocity and that's where you can get it, you know, developed and delivered really quickly in a way that your audience can grasp it really quickly and the business can move on quickly. So we're talking that, you know, removing the drag, that sort of thing for you and for the business. And so I think clarity, quality and velocity are the three things that we need to be thinking about. And it's really a pretty hidden opportunity for a lot of teams. Yeah. And you've worked across a broad range of industries, I assume, Davina. I mean, this is this has universal application, I gather. It does. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I guess case in point, at the moment I'm working for a retailer and working with CEO and then the senior leadership team and then or they're agile, so all of the area leads and now all of the chapter leads. So yep. anyone in the you know support centre, the head office, has um, across every single discipline. You know, I do a lot of work in risk and and technology and so on, where people work in very technical places, but but also you know in some of the softer areas where people just find it hard to really be hard hitting. Yeah. You know, they can be a bit loose and a bit sort of fluffy and in the, the people sort of areas and so on sometimes need to tighten and be more strategic and directed about the value yeah. that they're delivering so that, you know, people without their background who don't intuitively understand, you know, the, the value of the people stuff can actually get a good handle on what, what their recommendations, what value their recommendations will deliver. Davina, you said you worked with risk people before. So what advice would you give in, in terms of the traps to avoid? If you're a risk person, you need to communicate to a senior yep. executive. What, what are the sort of things to try and steer clear of? Look, I think there are three big traps that I see. Firstly is people say to everyone, oh, just keep it short. 
And it's like, yeah, but how? how? How do you keep it short? You know, and and then focusing on including the wrong things rather than just giving a few details, but rather stepping back and saying, well, what is all of this information? You know, what does it mean? And yeah. tying that together in a way that is really helpful. You may need to be long to do justice to something yeah. really significant, but you, you need to have a high level set of messages, an executive summary, if you will, that yeah. people can get their heads around very quickly so that then they're interested in, in reading the detail. And, you know, a great example of that from this last week would be uh, uh, someone was a financial controller, so performing a sort of a risk yeah. sort of task. She found an error in a really big model. And this was going to lead to a $5 million write-off. Yeah. So it's a really tough story to tell and huge amount of detail because the problem she found is buried very deeply in that model. Right. So it's tempting to just hear the advice of just keep it short, which is necessary, but actually that couldn't be short. It had to be reorganised. There had to be the high level, which was short, but yeah. then there had to be the fulsome explanation yeah. to be able to get into it. And so that wasn't about length, that's about synthesis. Just being wary of that advice to keep it short. Yes, yes. but not only, you, you've got to be able to explain it really, really well. I think So I think that's one, getting caught up too much in keep it short and then telling, you know, just giving some details and not, not the full story. Um, another one I think is to think that having a set of topics is your structure. Right. So when you're doing risk reporting, you're very often, you often have a template. Yeah. You know, what are the problems in technology? What are the problems in the finance? What are the problems in the whichever area of the business, depending, you know, what business you're in? And just to dump all of the data against each of those, rather than stepping back and saying, well, what am I saying about the financial risks right now? What am I saying about, in aggregate, yes. about the um, technology risks right yeah. now? I saying about maybe the cybersecurity risks or the employee risks or, or whatever they are. So I think it's just looking at the topics and saying, you know, title of slide, finance, title of slide, you know, technology is, is a real um, trap because you end up just providing the data. You don't actually draw out what it means. You don't draw an inference from it. Yeah. And, and that's essential if you're going to actually add value rather than just fulfil some sort of audit function that says, here, here's the stuff. Yeah. And, Davina, that raises a really interesting point because I think we're into these cyber areas, data analytics, machine learning, all these new concepts. Is the job of the person communicating also to educate? Is there a message there that is, especially when you're talking to senior executives or board? Yeah. And I think particularly, you know, in Australia and I assume other places also, there is a fairly onerous set of obligations on the boards these days. Yeah. And, you know, there, there's an, I think it comes down to being quite a legal obligation to understand at very great depth mm. what's happening. They say inside the black box, if you think of analytics, yeah. you know, so somebody in technologies put a box in to do some data processing, heavy duty data processing. And to actually understand the mechanics of that for a board member is, is well, it's, it's nigh on impossible. And yet they're expected to conceptually grasp what's going on. And so absolutely, I mean, how could somebody 
in a, uh, a board position who is by very dint of the fact that they're there mature, they have to be, you would hope, um, because they're bringing their experience. And yet technology, as one great example, has moved so fast. Yes. And so now that you're particularly getting into things like GPT-3 and artificial intelligence and machine learning and all of these things, uh, you just have to explain. And that's where I think the data really isn't enough. Yeah. You know, and, and I think it becomes very challenging for people when you are in a technical place and, and let's say doing your audit to actually place that audit, those audit findings or risk findings into a commercial setting is the very big challenge. And that's really hard. And people, I think, at senior levels can be really excellent at helping the people in their teams understand that. But when I ask people in my world, I've got something like 13,000 people that I email every week, when those people, when I ask them, okay, so how many of you get a good brief before you prepare a piece of communication, about 20% say yes. Mm-hmm. So knowledge transfer coming down doesn't happen very well, I don't think, which yeah. means that it makes it even harder for somebody in, in a technical area to apply some sort of accurate and helpful strategic business sort of lens over the data something really relevant you know okay so I've been asked to do this review but I don't know why I'm yeah. just doing it yeah or somebody ask you know what, what's the status of this I don't know why they're asking yeah so I'm just going to give them everything it's a really natural response because yeah. if you don't know you know if you're diligent you're just going to give them as much stuff as you can yeah because then you come along and, and they've got something to work with so I think there's a bit of a, a challenge there on some assumptions about, oh, an update is just an update. Well, no, very rarely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and context is king, isn't it? You know, unless the, um, the reader, uh, the, the receiver of the communication understands the context, uh, the message itself can be lost. It can be an isolated just piece mm. of soundbite. Um, but it doesn't connect to maybe the business objectives or, you know, what it is um, that, that the organisation is trying to achieve. That's right. It's very tricky. And we get very granular when I work with people about, you know, what do you really want to get out of this communication? And I had an email from somebody who just bought one of my online courses last week and he said, I just can't find a pattern because we use patterns that you might remember the seven storyline patterns that Mm. we have. And he said, I can't find one of those for an update. And I thought, well, you're right, because an update would require you to go through your org chart. That would be your structure. You know, he was being asked to provide an overview of what his team does. Ask us why why you're being asked to do it, and it might be truly an information session. And if that's the case, what can you get out of it? How could this be helpful to you? Yeah. And start thinking. If everyone else in the business knows what we do and how we work and our strategy and where we're aiming to add value, then maybe they could help us more achieve that. Yeah. Maybe we've got a big project coming up which is going to require them to contribute to, you know, answering a whole lot of questions about the status of risk, let's say, across this particular dimension. They might feel a bit annoyed about us asking 50 questions of everyone in their team, but maybe if they understand why that's so essential to the business, 
and and I can you know give my update within that frame and you know telling them what we're doing and our strategy and why we're doing it the way we're doing it actually that'd be really helpful we won't have to chase them so much they'll provide better answers for example I'm just making that up as an example but thinking really carefully about okay so you've just been asked to tell everyone about your team so that they know hmm, how could that be helpful don't just go with oh here's what we do go further and updates are the you know the classic case in that yeah you know Davina, so, you're very, very passionate about this subject. Tell me what <laughs> you love about what you do and what are the challenges about what you do? Yes, well, I love helping people. So for me, it's, you know, like the um, financial controller that I mentioned before, yeah. knowing that she nailed it and she will have worked so hard to get that really right and tested, but also that she, I know how hard she worked on her communication too. So to hear those sorts of success stories, it's, it's heartwarming, you know. I mean, in a people business as well as in a business business. So yeah. that's something. It really motivates me. Of course, I love seeing people cut the time it takes to prepare and the value for the business and, and all of that. But for me, that's, again, all about people making life and work so much better for people, you know. So that that's what motivates me. What interests me, I suppose, is that it's all about how people think. And it's sort of, it is a fascination. When I started doing the, the training role more fully rather than doing the work with people and doing some other communication sorts of work, I remember talking with my then boss and he said to me, I'm get, when it get a bit boring? And I thought, yeah. And I said to him, yeah, I don't think it's going to last forever, to be really frank. I think it's just going to be a short-term thing for me. And then, you know, when this financial situation's over, I'm sure I'll move back into some other form of of communication work because I think it's going to be repetitive and boring. You know, you teach 350 whole-day workshops to lawyers and it does become, (laughs) you know, routine, let's say. Lawyers are never boring. It's routine. But what I've found is that there's more and more different ways to help people better, right? So we talked earlier about the flipped classroom model. It's like, yes, okay, how can I stop being, you know, doing the boring stuff and repeating the same things? Okay, so bottle it, put it in some videos. But then what does that do? Wow, that makes it really interesting, doesn't it? Because you, you run workshops and, and how do you get the very best out of people with the minimum effort? How can we get them to go the maximum distance in the minimum time? Yeah. It, it seems to be a perennial challenge, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it seems not to have got boring yet. Yeah, it is. It's a fascinating place. Tell me, Davina, you'd be in a great place to observe. So over the years, you've taught more mature people like myself. You've probably taught the new millennials and some of the Gen Zs potentially. Do, do you notice a difference in the way communications have changed or how uh, the different generations communicate? Mm. I think the one thing that perhaps has changed, and this is cultural and affects every level, is that people are a bit more reluctant now to take a structure or let's call it a rule Mm. and implement a rule. They want everything to be okay. It's a little bit that postmodern way of thinking, which, you know, everything's okay and everything's relative. I think that becomes quite interesting because the way they think the tools that we're working with are logic and synthesis now just to give somebody facts of course can be logical 
and nobody at any level thinks that that's enough except in the very sort of basic research function where you're saying here's what I found right you're still summarizing at that level so the difference comes as to people a bit use as an excuse actually oh but there's not there's many ways to do this there are absolutely there are and there's loads of flexibility when using structure using logic using synthesis there's loads of flexibility within that but I think encouraging people to trust that a set of parameters are actually really helpful you know they set you free rather than box you in yeah and it's tempting to say oh this is too hard because I can't work this out I can't work this puzzle out because it is a puzzle that we work with I can't do that so therefore the puzzle is wrong the rules of the puzzle are wrong so I'll just do my own thing and I think that's the challenge that has grown Mm. and so how do you persuade people that actually sticking within those guardrails those rules whatever you like to call them is actually liberating it makes your life so much easier it makes your uh, process smoother. It makes the quality, the clarity of your message, the quality of your message, vastly better. So that I think is a challenge. The other one is just the fragmentation. And again, this is all levels. It's not just anyone. I think it's just a sign of the times where people have sort of doing so many things and trying to move so very quickly because they like speed, they like pace. You know, there's something that builds your adrenaline in that you don't want to go slow. I yep. heard somebody say that we're the least reflective generation, and I call everyone alive right now is the generation, yep. you know, it's the, the least reflective time in history. And I think that's probably true. You know, our technology enables us to go fast in terms of transport. You don't have long times on a horse getting a place where you've yep. just got time to think with no stimuli around you. You've got technology to fill your mind wherever you are. And it stops you thinking a bit. It's very valuable in all sorts of ways, but it becomes much harder to have those disciplines to think. You know, if I think back to when I started working, I was on the typewriter working in triplicate. You know, it was a piece of paper with, you know, the carbon and another piece of paper and another bit of carbon and another bit of paper. And so, you you know, you're typing and then you, oh, dear, I made a typo. You get out the whiteout and fix it if you can or and start again, you know. And so you thought really carefully. You had some real constraints that in today's world and I think things like Teams chats, for example, have magnified this challenge. Yeah. You know, Slack, Teams, Workplace, all of those tools yeah. are really helpful for these little quick interactions, particularly when we're working, you know, in a dispersed way, because we're yeah. so many of us working at least some, if not all the time online. It's it is very helpful, but how do you actually decide when actually this is a runaway train? Yeah. I need proper conversation. Or as so many of my clients, the theme this year seems to be, oh my gosh, if I just sat down and written an email like that, and you know, we're talking, you know, 15 lines, not really that huge. Yep. If I just sat down and thought of and written a proper email, I wouldn't have had to have that meeting with five people. I wouldn't have had to do that PowerPoint presentation. And I wouldn't have had all those follow up phone calls from 
the meeting that I had that they didn't quite understand. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. sort of like, oh, 30 minutes to write an email is all that would have taken to save me four or five hours. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Forget everyone else's time. <laughs> yeah. There is a tendency to jump onto a meeting very quickly nowadays, isn't there, and, and you know, share the problem, as it were. And, and also just to throw some stuff on some slides so you've got something to talk at yeah. rather than actually what do I need to get out of this? What do they really need from me in order? And actually, what decision do I really need to make progress? And who's going to make that decision? Have I really thought about that? And if I need to collaborate, which I actually really encourage, I'm not suggesting you should sit there and work on that email always by yourself either. I think there can be huge value in two of you sitting down, nutting it together around a framework, massive value in that. But the cost of that and reciprocating with somebody or a couple of people having a little, you know, gang of you that help each other is, I think, you know, very, very productive, really enjoyable, actually, and just saves yourself and the organisation such a lot of effort. Share the challenges. It's trusting that there are constraints that can be really helpful and slowing down enough to actually use them. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Um Put yourself in the shoes of a young person starting out today. What, what advice would you give them starting a career and getting into the workforce? What's very topical. Both my boys are graduates this year, so very, very topical. I think with my communication lens on, I would say really do get the ground, get that framework that we work with in your mind. I know I'm biased, but I, I've just seen it help people at every level. And I think if you've got that in your tool belt, very early on, it makes such a difference because even if the people you work with don't know, you know, don't use the same techniques for organising your thinking or whatever, you will have a really powerful thinking tool to work out what you want to say in emails, in papers, in, in your tiny section of papers when you start out. It's just a little bit, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Sort of thinking that through, I mean, like I say, I'm, I'm very biased in that regard. But otherwise, I think just to be open to learn, yeah. you know, and be unafraid to ask questions. You know, I think senior people really enjoy having time to help other people. It's a really satisfying part of being a leader is, is helping others and to sort of seek their advice and to say thank you you know, to be grateful and, and to demonstrate that in simple ways just by really appreciating what they do for you and, and just feeding back and saying, oh, thank you so much for that gem you gave me last month that I used it a couple of times and it was so helpful. Thank you. Yeah. I think maybe junior people might not think to say thank you to senior people because they don't want to bother them or, you know, it's all a little bit and they're too far away, too big, you know. So to have the courage to ask and to say thank you. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Excellent. So, Davina, it's been wonderful. We've talked about this wonderful secret weapon of clarity and communication. How do I <laughs> get hold of this? Is this something that I have to do through my company? Can I do it as an individual? How can I get on the bandwagon? Look, you can do it either way. And I think that if you're wanting to learn a little bit more about it, I've got a free course and that'll give you a sense of, of the way in which we work. And um, that's available at clarityfirstprogram.com and then forward slash CWI risk. So short CWI being short for communicate with impact. So CWI risk. And yep. um, I think that's a really easy way for people to get a further sense of, of what we do. And then there'll be ways to contact us 
you know, within that yep. and then, you know, ask whether you'd be interested in joining the Clarity First program, which is a public program for individuals and small teams or through Clarity Thought Partners where we have corporate programs as well. We've got a book too, um, yep. The So What Strategy, and that again provides a really good overview and you can learn more about that at sowhatstrategy.com. So there's a free chapter people might like to get as well to get a bit more of a feel. You can grab that off the site. Lots of ways of exploring it a bit further. Excellent. No, fantastic. Thank you, Davina. That, that is great. And I'm sure the listeners are very interested in exploring that further. And um, it's uh, at claritythoughtpartners.com is a, is a good start to go and have a look at some of those resources and uh, get your head around this stuff because, believe me, it will make a world of difference to how you communicate and the messages and how it's received by the people that you're communicating with. So thank you very much, Devon, much appreciated for your time today. Absolute pleasure, Anthony. And look, I might just add a tiny little piece there at the end. All of those free things are actually on the public program site, which is clarityfirstprogram.com. The free things are not available on the Clarity Thought Partners site, so you'll just find it easy. Excellent. No worries at all. And I'll put um, all of that information in the show notes too. So listeners, if you need to look at that information, it will be there. So thanks, Davina. And um, thank you, listeners. Hopefully uh, you've enjoyed that session. As I said, I was very excited to have Davina on today. Um, this is really powerful stuff. It's a essential tool in the toolkit as a senior leader. And as you go through your career, this is one that's really going to help you advance and get noticed because the way you can get messages across is, is so clear. Senior leaders like to hear from you because they know exactly what you're saying. Um, uh, you really stand out from the crowd. So, you know, do yourself a favour and, you know, connect with Davina and the team. Thank you again for your time, listeners. It's been great. And hopefully you found something out of this. Davina, much appreciated again. And uh, we will uh, talk again soon. Cheers.